0: Hi everybody, I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast.
1: Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface.
0: Yeah, this is episode 243 and uh, we're going to talk about The Shining by Stephen King.
1: Um, the book, yes. It's very cold there. <laughs> A
0: lovely October read. <laughs> um, and, and one of my favorites. So uh, this, this marks the, um, the top three, is, in my opinion, yeah. Stephen King novels. That, and we've talked about all three now. So we did uh, Salem's Lot, and we did The Stand, and now we're doing The Shining. And uh, for me, those are, those are the three. I agree. So those are, those are ones, those are like five-star books, and then he's got a number of four-star books, and then he's got ones that are less than that.
1: He's <laughs> got a lot of one-star books. That's yeah. just my, he's, my got okay. he's got a few. He's got a few. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yes, but The Shining. Yeah, this, this book is, um, I think it's part of our culture. Um, it was written in, uh, what was it, 1977. But it's entered our culture through film. I think um, Stanley Kubrick's *The Shining* movie. Um, the images from that, uh, like uh, Danny Torrance, uh, a kid riding his three-wheeler through the hallways of a hotel, um, a pair of twins, uh, ghostly, ghostly twins appearing. Um, th- these are these are things that that I think people see, whether or not they've seen that movie. Those images are. Or out there, you know.
1: Yes, and uh, did you enjoy that movie? Did you like no, it? No, I,
0: I, I felt like, uh, well, I'm going to say yes and no um, Ooh, because I don't like it. <laughs> yes. The, See the... how
1: long I held back. From you bad, that? You
0: held right back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the the uh, Kubrick is a nihilistic person. Um, we, we'll, we can talk about that a little more, but Stephen King is always a hopeful person. Yeah. Even though there are horrible things happening in this novel, there's always this hopeful thing happening. Um, you know, the, you, you're, you have people to root for and you're hoping that they, they come through and Stephen King gives you reasons for hope. Um, Kubrick, on the other hand, is just like um, you live your life and then you die and that's it. There's nothing else, right? you're just alive and dead <laughs> and everything's meaningless. You know, it's nihilism. Um, and there's one thing in particular that I'll, I'll point to later that I think just shows that in, you know, in its most, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Most pronounced way.
1: Yeah. And I would say if, uh, surely most people listening to this would have seen the movie and possibly, hopefully also read the book because these are all considered classics, but um, yeah, the thing I didn't like was that he reduced the characters to caricatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wendy was extremely weak and whiny. I mean, he yeah. basically kind of took mm-hmm. what the Overlook Hotel. Was communicating to Jack was the essence of the people, and he took that and went, yeah, I think that's who they are <laughs> you know you're horrible yeah. like this, Jack, and, and you're you know and overbearing and all these things with no other nuances
0: right uh Wendy mm-hmm. is a weak
1: whining what, and I was just like, this you know, I didn't care for that, so yeah, she
0: was hard to even take and and I think that that feeds into his philosophy, you know,
1: oh yeah he he's not known for like being a huge fan of strong women either. And he treated Shelley Duvall on the shoot shamefully.
0: Oh, did he really? Like. I oh, didn't yeah. Know that. That's that yeah. <laughs> he was.
1: By the time it was done, she was practically reduced to nervous prostration.
0: Oh, that's horrible. That's I horrible. know. So. And it's a it's a kind of a, a famous thing too that Stephen King was not fond of the movie either. Yeah. And it was remade into a miniseries, um, mm-hmm. and I, I watched that a long time ago, and I felt like it was better as far as characterization goes. But okay. I haven't seen it for such a long time that I can't really vouch for it.
1: Well, and I would say this book, if we just uh, look at what it's got in terms of images, there are things there that I read. I read this book, and all my college roommates did too, mm. at, when it came out. mm We were all terrified. (laughs) And uh, what was interesting is, of course, he works in so many of our basic childhood fears, but in ways that adults can also relate to and not brush off, that everybody was afraid of something different, and everybody was deeply freaked
0: out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was too, yeah. I didn't read it in 77, but it would have been in the 80s when I read it the first time.
1: Yeah, I guess I would have been a sophomore in college. So Mm -hmm. the perfect age to go, ooh, (laughs) what's this book that's so popular?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, we were passing it from person to person and, yeah, all (laughs) that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that's nice. So I had just a a quick thing. I had a T-shirt that said Overlook Hotel on it with a little picture of mountains and stuff. For Uh the longest time, I had this T-shirt, and I remember – being in a grocery store, and the person that was uh, checking me out, she says, Oh, that looks like a lovely place. <laughs> I said, Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it is
1: lovely. You're not at all psychic, right? It's fine.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. So, quick synopsis. Um, well,
1: and yeah. Le- well, I was going to say also legend also has it that this hotel is based on, um, oh, gosh, what's the name of it? The Stanley Hotel
0: the Stanley in Colorado. Mm -hmm.
1: And evidently, he stayed there while he was writing part of it. And it's supposed to be super haunted. Really? And uh, yeah. And so very much like the Overlook.
0: Oh, I love it. And uh,
1: they now do a Shining tour. And they also do haunted house tours. I had a niece who, or have a niece, who did a destination wedding there. And we weren't able to make it, unfortunately. But I was already kind of freaked out because Mm. I knew it was supposed to be so haunted. And my sister has a bit of a shine for mm, ghosts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was talking about some of the stuff she experienced while she was there. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Spooky. Just, uh,
0: yeah, I, I, I yeah. love that idea too of, uh, Stephen King staying there because he wrote a, a story that was made into a movie called 1408 and oh. um I think 1408 the movie is is one of the good Stephen King movies. Unfortunately there are very few of them. <laughs> you know <laughs> yes. Stephen King is just fabulous in print but somehow most of the movies are not very good. I don't know why that is. Um but I I feel like 1408 is one of them that really feels like Stephen King in the in the film. Um and it is about a guy who writes uh non-fiction books about haunted places Mm -hmm. and is uh has heard that this room 1408 in a hotel is haunted and insists on staying in that room so that he can write it but he doesn't have any belief so um he uh he's just there he stays in it and he writes but he's never seen a ghost or anything like that until now Oops. (laughs) <laughs> Oops, <laughs> yeah, so but anyway, so that you know, uh, as you read Stephen King through the years, you know, he does return to these themes, and that that is one of them, so um, right, right, yeah, that's yeah.
1: kind of interesting, yeah, when the supernatural breaks into your reality mm-hmm. and um, affects everything,
0: yeah, yeah, good movie, I recommend it, 1408. All right. Yeah. So uh, a synopsis. So what this is about is um, there's a family. Jack Torrance is the father. Wendy is the mother. And Danny is the son. And he's very young. Um, gosh, I can't remember his age. Is five. He, he's five. Okay. Wow. So mm-hmm. he's a little oldish for five. Yeah. Um, but they say that in the book that he's, he's skilled at um, speaking, right? He, he can't right. quite read, though. Um, he mentions right. that. So that fits five. Um, but somehow because he's got this, this thing called a shine where he can hear people's thoughts and things sometimes, um, he's, he's become really good. I mean, he just, uh, he can articulate himself really well. Um, so, uh, this family, Jack Torrance is a troubled man. We'll talk more about that. (laughs) Mm. Um, but he's like between jobs and he, he's trying to write a, a great novel And he finds out about this job where he can be a caretaker for a hotel over the winter and just stay in the hotel and the hotel will be snowed in the whole winter. And then he'll just caretake the hotel, um, for almost five months and, uh, his family will come with him so that the, at the very opening is him going for the interview for this, um, for this, uh, job. And, uh, it really, you know, it's got a famous first line of this novel, um, and it just it's it's like Jack. You know, there's Jack Torrance, and uh, the first line is Jack Torrance thought, officious little prick," and he was thinking that of the guy who was interviewing him. Um, oh yeah. But I mean, it well, just immediately nails. Um, you know, Jack is Jack is not all there right now. So well that
1: interview. <laughs> Yeah, that mm-hmm. interview does show you, and, and I think what we can say is what's made clear in the first few chapters is he's an ex-alcoholic,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he has anger management,
2: yeah. and
1: he's managed to lose his last job
2: mm-hmm. to
1: the point where no one wants to hire him, and so we, he's got to have this job. So it doesn't matter if he likes the guy who's interviewing him or anything he has to have this job or he's essentially got no job unless yeah. he works at a 7-Eleven or something. That's right. And that kind of colors that, that feeling of desperation colors mm-hmm. everything about the whole family.
0: Agreed. <clears throat> so the novel then is about he does get the job. He, he and his family show up on the last day of the season. Um, they're given a tour of the hotel by a few different people. Um, some of whom are really important to us, and then um, then everybody leaves and they are stuck in this hotel. And then the hotel starts to wake up. It's a haunted place. It starts to wake up, and the family goes through all kinds of horror in that in that winter. And that's a spoiler-free synopsis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and what's interesting is it's not like people will say a haunted house, and what they mean is there's a ghost Mm -hmm. or there's something like that. This in this, it's very much like the Haunting of Hill House in that the place itself is the haunted thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are ghosts and stuff, but they're being used by the hotel for its own purposes.
0: Right. So that's
1: kind of interesting Um, and there's
0: this idea too that um danny danny torrance because he's got the shine you know the book is called the shining mm -hmm. Um, but what it is is he he is like lighting up the house because he has this this power his presence is making things extremely active
1: yeah it's like he's it's feeding on his right and
0: the the hotel wants him very badly
1: yeah, and it will do anything to get him. Right. And also, as is the case with evil, and we can talk about this more, um, the people in the house are, well, in the hotel, are being tested to see who's the weak link, link
2: mm. who
1: can be used to the hotel's advantage. Yeah,
0: um, yeah.
1: And it, like a, I said That's
0: a very cool thought. I, I, yeah. I, I like that. It's, yeah.
1: yeah, and so... What's interesting to me is that as I was reading this, I was struck for the first time by how it's almost like a counterpoint or maybe a further insight into the book we read a long time ago, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, Mm. where the house itself is the haunted individual, and you're only seeing people's thoughts. And the, the insights from Eleanor are what tell us how the ho- or the hotel how the house is kind of having an effect but it's uncertain and in this there's no uncertainty mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> king is not jackson
2: <laughs> there's
1: a real difference in the writing and he's going to make sure that we see what's going on which is uh, very effective i yeah, you know yeah but you can see exactly the hotel's methods and how well they work and so It was just like seeing behind the scenes of The Haunting of Hill House to me.
0: Hmm. Very good. Yeah. I had made that connection, but I don't doubt it. I know that. And he
1: mentions The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah,
0: he does. He does. At one point. Yes, he does. And um, that's right. He does that a lot. Um, And also uh, The Mask of the Red Death uh, by Edgar Allan Poe, he mentions a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't if you haven't read it, it's it's an extremely good book. Um oh, it yes. is one of my favorite horror novels of all time Terrifying. So Terrifying. Yeah. Very very effective. So um so yeah, so the my my favorite character, you probably know who my favorite is. Halloran. Absolutely.
1: Isn't he everyone's favorite? <laughs> he Dick, must be. Dick to my friends. He must
0: be. And this yeah. and the Halloran is who I want to say um, cause we're in spoiler territory now, folks. So, yep. um, in the movie Kubrick's movie, Halloran travels all the way across the country and then gets an ax in the chest immediately and dies.
2: I, uh, ugh.
0: I know it's just like, it's just like pointless. You know, uh, he, he the, it was like him just underlining the word pointless in my head, you know, and that was, that drove me crazy. Um, but Halloran Halloran was a, a person who had the shine himself, and in fact, he introduced Danny because Danny Danny was very alone in this. In fact, he he kind of uh, this this character Tony is oh. someone who um, Danny kind of invented to try to make sense of um, what was happening. Right. He,
1: no, I don't think he was invented. I think he
0: is. I think he was invented. He he was, um, it, anyway, yeah, obviously that's going to be, um, that could be interpreted different ways. Well, Tony um, told Halloran, him, Halloran I'm the didn't deepest have a Tony. part.
1: Tony told him, I'm the deepest part of yourself deep inside.
0: Right, exactly. He says
1: that to him. Right. He's not invented. Yeah. Okay. This is the way that part of his mind or personality or soul is communicating deeper truths to a little boy who can't understand anything okay else. so
0: we're saying the same thing i think you and oh, I. are we i think so so um yeah so I'm, I'm saying invented but i'm saying that tony is not a separate thing from D- danny and that's what you just said too he's he's inside danny he's part of danny Okay. He's his own psyche, right? Yeah. Invented it's, it's, to it's, me it's, means
1: like the invisible friend that they, they bring up. Yeah. So. The,
0: you know, so the, yeah, that's not quite right either. So, but yeah, but that's, so what you're anyway. saying then is what I mean to say is oh, that okay. it is not a separate thing outside of Danny that exists that is communicating with Danny. It's Danny. It's all Danny. Right?
1: Yeah. It's, it's his instincts and everything.
0: Right. So. Anyway. So, yeah. So that, that's what I mean to say. But, um, but because, I mean, that may not have occurred. That may not have been in need of Danny's. had he had someone around who could tell him what was happening to him. And Halloran yeah. was the first one who was able to say, this is what's going on with you. You have the shine. You know, my grandma had it and, and all this stuff. Um, and uh, then he gives him that information where he uh, says, okay... I need you to stay out of room 217. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he says, you're going to see stuff and it's can't hurt you. Um, And that was, that was an odd thing um, with the full knowledge of the novel. You know, we know that there had been murders in the hotel in the past and everything like that. So I'm not quite sure uh, this time around uh, um, how, how was Halloran able to say, well, these things can't hurt you.
1: Remember he was saying, he said he, the whole time, whenever they show us Dick and he's in Florida, and he'll think of the little boy because it kind of worries him. And then he'll go, But nothing could hurt you. Nothing could hurt you. And then he, he later remembers the time when, you know, that he goes and sees the woman in the bathtub and she opens her eyes. And he's like, But nothing happened to me.
0: Right, right.
1: So, because no one had there had the power to make it real. So people would be murdered but that's because the house was working on their minds or something. He was talking about like a ghost couldn't hurt you, the topiary can't hurt you, the animals, the hedge animals, the you know, you might think you see them move, you might you know, but they're just old memories. And I think that's what he really thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't it, I don't think he could be disingenuous, he- but it's just like for me, when I'm thinking about it, you know, okay, here someone was a caretaker in the past and killed his family. It's like, okay, co- clearly something happened there. I mean, he, did he think they weren't connected or, or what? And then, um, but for Danny, you know, they were hurting him. Um, well,
1: right. Yeah. but No, I think, I don't think Halloran put it together in the way you're thinking he put it together after having read the book. And especially after having read it more than once, because he keeps saying nothing could hurt him, right? Yeah, nothing could yeah. hurt him, right? But call mm-hmm. me if something's going on.
2: Right, right. I
1: mean, it's mm-hmm. almost like he's like it when that woman opened her eyes, but and he left as <laughs> <laughs> fast as he could, but nothing happened to him.
2: Yeah. And yeah.
1: it wasn't like with Danny. Yeah.
2: Right. You know,
1: mm-hmm. and it wasn't even like with the wasp nest. Mm hmm which to me is one of the most interesting things that he keeps coming back to that image of the wasp nest
2: Mm, Yeah,
1: that where the, you know, Jack has found this big wasp nest. He's used the insecticide. He puts it in Danny's room. And um, then suddenly there's wasps and Danny gets a few stings, but then, you know, Jack puts it on the porch under a bowl and then they see there's hundreds and thousands of wasps or however many it's full of wasps, which was, pretty much impossible
2: yeah right
1: um and Mm -hmm. so you know that's something that the hotel did and then the image of the hotel is a wasp nest keeps occurring to like jack or danny or whatever
2: yeah and
1: they're inside of it um yeah i don't think anything Mm -hmm. like that had happened to halloran or anything because he kept saying if anything happened to him but nothing happened and it, you're right. It's almost like he's kind of trying to reassure himself, but he's not got anything to hang it on. He's like, nothing happened to me. I never saw. You know, I'd see some stuff, but mm-hmm. nothing happened.
0: Right. It wasn't right. real. Yeah. So. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, because I was just wondering in my head, um, you know, wow, didn't he? Didn't he make that connection? But it does make sense to me what you're saying. And I did like um, how Halloran asked him three times if he wanted to come to Florida. And I know that he wasn't seriously thinking he was going to take him to Florida, but it was like an inner desire. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: <It laughs> I was, would much rather you not be here. How about you yeah. come to Florida with me? He was uneasy. He was very uneasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a good character. And in the movie, um, he was played by Scatman Crothers, which I just loved. oh yeah, I just love that guy. Oh,
1: who doesn't yeah. love Scatman? Right. Crothers?
0: So um, it was yeah. just a perfect choice for casting. Yeah. Guy.
1: And but yeah, Halloran is clearly the most normal, balanced person and I think it's because in the family you know, Wendy's perfectly nice and a very good mother and all this stuff but she's off balance because she loves Jack and Jack which I find hard to relate to Rose and I were talking about this because going through this time I was like Oh my gosh, how could anyone love Jack? Mm. And I get it. We're told about this time period when they met, and he was the most balanced and normal, and everything was good. And, you know, he wasn't drinking, and he was away from his horrible family or his father for sure. And um, everything was good. So that's when you fall in love, you see the best part of this person. But after all the things of watching him go downhill and everything, I could only admire her love and loyalty. And um it's that struggle, I think. Well, Rose said, I think that's because you would have a hard time loving somebody who's that weak.
2: Hmm.
1: And so would she, she said.
2: Yeah. And I yeah. was
1: like, I guess that's it. But what you like to think is if you love someone, you know, when you discover their weaknesses you can't just throw them out because everybody's got weaknesses. Of course, some people have great big weaknesses and it's not safe to be around them or it's better to be um, better for everybody if you're not together, But which is in this case, it seems like. But I just look at that and just go, to me, their um, love and devotion was a problem in this, this time through, which I've never felt before. I've just kind of gone along. And maybe it's because we were going to talk about it. Cause I was like, "Yeah,
0: it's, because it is a hard, hard thing. You know, it's, um, yeah. You know, when you marry somebody and then they change, that's brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, some people marry people hoping that they'll change. And that's also uh, an incorrect thought. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, th- there were some things there that I don't it would be really hard for me to stick around for, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, so he broke uh, his son's arm. That, that would be really hard. You can't let that go. And, and I, I feel right. like um, when I was reading it this time, thinking about talking about it here, um, things like forgiveness came into my mind. Right. Um, how hard that would be to forgive I can completely relate to. Right. It's just like, that would be really, really hard to ever, ever, ever let go. And, and he would say things, you know, oh, you're going to bring that up for the rest of my life. You're going to bring that up. Well, yeah, (laughs) it's like, how can you, (laughs) how can you not? It's like, it's so hard to forgive. And then when you think about, you know, what God is forgiving all the time, um, uh, it's just, it's just, it amplifies that. You're just like, oh my gosh, there, there are things, you know, God is infinitely merciful. And there mm-hmm. are things that he is forgiving that are way past even this, and um, it's just yeah. just an amazing, amazing thing. But this um, this permeation of sin too, you know, we've talked about that before. When you're in a community and you and there's sin, you know, uh, things that are happening, and how it does affect other people. whether you like it or not, it's affecting other people. You know, you think you're not affecting anybody. You're just doing this and it's not hurting anyone, but it is, you know, it's affecting relationships. It's affecting the very air in which everybody is breathing, you know? Um, and you can see that in this family. Um, there are just these things that are just making it, you know, you said she was unbalanced or she was off balance.
1: Yeah, I think the, off balance. Right. Yeah. So okay, she. That's, if I didn't say it, that's what I no, meant. No, <laughs> off
0: balance. I, I'm pretty sure that's what you said is off okay. balance. But, you know, how can she possibly be in balance? Right. Right. There is this giant cloud. And um, how do you get past it? You know, it, it's it's a brutal, brutal, hard thing. Um, but yeah, God asks and that's us to do it all the time. What
1: we all face, right? All the time. I mean, without being in such extreme circumstances, we hope. Um, there's still things to forgive and things to overlook, and understanding to give just in regular life. And um, so I was thinking this also in terms of good versus evil. Evil is the house which is continually, as I was saying, it's probing. It's looking for weaknesses. And the way that those weaknesses are expressed with, um, and it's really Jack who's shown to be the one who's the weak link. I don't feel like Wendy was really influenced. She was just trying to figure out what the heck's going on and stay on balance. And, um, mm-hmm. But he was just kind of led to think the worst thing. To not like this person's attitude, to excuse himself for anything he did that was less than perfect, to um blame someone else and, you know the number of times he brought up Wendy's mother, I found interesting because both mm. of them had very difficult parents mm. that obviously led to their adult lives being scarred, and also they were fighting against. Being those people and Jack loses that fight, and Wendy, I think, wins. She's not her mother, so you're kind of shown two examples of wow, people yeah, there responding you go. Those, to that.
0: Those doubles again, that's fantastic,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if Jack's father and Wendy's mother were married, what a horrible thought! <laughs> <laughs> they would take an axe to each other. Oh my
0: gosh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yep, <yeah. laughs>
1: but um. But when you tie that in with what you're saying about sin, because what I was also thinking of was they never turn to anyone else for help. It's within their own family that they're struggling with their weaknesses and their doubts and their desire to trust and love the way that they want to, the way they feel they should be able to yeah yeah and the only pure one there is Danny, and it's he's five years old, and he almost not quite at this point, but you could see him growing up into what they call a caretaker child hmm. where the parents are so flawed that or not flawed, but maybe not parents, they're not acting as the parents. The child has to be the responsible one to help the family get along
0: yeah absolutely and and he he's you know turned up to eleven right he can hear <laughs> he can hear their thoughts. Right. But kids that grow up in families with those difficulties are affected by it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, but you're right. You know, The caretaker child, um, that, that's a perfect illustration of what's going on here. It's just that Danny is directly connected and is hearing things even that he doesn't understand at five years right. old. Um, right. But uh, a five-year-old would basically soak in the mood and the, and the, the thoughts of what's going on. Um, yeah. Even without being shiny, right? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I think, yeah, that's yeah. an
1: interesting reflection that I was just coming to myself, which is that we're shown the shining part because, and we understand it even when he doesn't necessarily, even if we don't have all the pieces, but a five-year-old doesn't know what they're feeling. They're just trying to react and uh, make everything okay as best they can. mm. And so, because they don't have a bigger community, I mean, the one person who's also maybe part of this is his friend Al, who was his fellow alcoholic. And because they went through that together and kind of were scared into kicking it at the same time, he sticks with him, he's getting him jobs. He's, you know, he's still off of it, still dry. Me too, this and this, you know, and he's trying to be that. But Jack won't let him, of course, in any further. But none of them have seem to have friends they turn to. Of course, there's not really any mention of faith in this, but there's no bigger community. They're isolated already from everyone. When they go to the overlook, it's not like they're like, well, and now all my friends are gone. Nope. They're just like they always were.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So they as you're saying, you know, this this miasma of sin and um the silent suffering that some people are going through in this family. It is like a dark cloud hanging over them.
0: Right. Yeah, and and, and Jack himself has um a problem seeing things um <laughs> correctly, right? There was right. a scene in there or a flashback actually where he is talking about being in catechism class. And he's with some nuns. And one of the nuns puts one of those pictures in the front of the class on an easel that has, um, you know, it's one of those that's basically a bunch of black and white kind of squares. And if you focus just right, right, suddenly it coalesces into an image. And everybody in the class is like, oh, I see Jesus in that. I see Jesus's face is, is what that's a picture of. And then Jack was the last one and the, the nun is, is, says, well, do you see it? Do you see it? And then he lied. And he said, yeah, I see it. Oh, that's great. You know, that's amazing. And then um, uh, he, was, he was furious inside, right? Like he gets. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was angry and ashamed and guilty that he lied about this. And he's looking at that thing and saying, there's just nothing there. And then as he walks out of the classroom in his peripheral vision, he sees the image. And um, and had to consider that.
1: And the way it was described, the way Jesus' gaze was falling on him.
0: Yeah, it says you know. here, um, uh, see, as he turned to go, he had seen the face of Jesus from the corner of his eye, sad and wise. He turned back his heart in his throat. Everything had suddenly clicked into place. And he had stared at the picture with fearful wonder unable to believe he had missed it. The eyes, the zigzag of shadow over the careworn brow, the fine nose, the compassionate lips, looking at Jack Torrance. Awesome.
1: Wow. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I remember that instance, of course, from the story being told, but I had not connected it to his bigger problem of lack of insight lack of being able to see what's right in front of you and it's out of focus because all the kids you know it's, it's what, what did they used to call them the seeing eye picture or whatever yeah, you'd have yeah. to hold it and just change your focus and, and I never
0: was very good at those dang it but yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> sometimes I was and sometimes yeah not yeah. but he is defined by that and Scott that's such a great insight um, because for me what showed that was the play he's working on oh yeah and the play, of course, directly reflects his own recent experience of the. Except, it's it's the way he'd like things to be. Mm. Um, it's I guess it's the school teach the old school teacher who had promise, but that promise was never fulfilled, and he hates the young, promising, poor student who is uh, so talented and gifted. And he's abusing him and trying to hold him down and the student won't be held down, all this stuff. And you can see the reflection of him uh, with the talented kid who was the golden boy, Hmm. who he was like, no, and I just, I didn't hate him. I I just was sorry for him. And then he was in Jack's debate class. And the harder this kid works, because this is the one thing he can't do, the more trouble he has, he starts stuttering. And eventually... You know, there's the thing about the timer. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't move the timer. And as the story goes on, it's like, well, and if I moved the timer, it was just one minute. And if I did move the timer, it was out of pity for him and trying to help him. Not because I was sabotaging him. And so, you see the whole truth start to come out. It's this really, he doesn't even tell himself the truth ever.
0: Absolutely, Yeah.
1: Right, the play Mm -hmm. is reflecting originally his ideal, and as the play goes on, and when he goes, now he hates the play, this kid, he wasn't ever really great. It's the school teacher he should be feeling sorry for, that poor guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because it's you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that's, for me, the reflection of how he goes from lying to himself into both buying into the lies of the hotel at simultaneously as when he's got moments of clarity, he does see what's going on. But you, but for me, what you said about that Jesus picture—that's the perfect encapsulation. I'm so glad you mentioned that.
0: Oh yeah, I was I was happy to find it. It's not something that I remembered until this read.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was
0: like, whoa, look at that. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. The the o- the only other thing that I found uh, directly related to Catholicism was the Halloran had a Saint Christopher medal hanging from his <laughs> rearview mirror. I thought that was cool.
1: I like that because they mention it when he's um, in the car, I guess, and the the shining is coming on. him. Yeah, it smell yeah. like oranges, right? Oh, those oranges turn, and we're like, Powerful no, scene.
0: <laughs> you're driving. Yeah, it's, it's like, like we know what's metal. coming. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. And the I Saint just love that. <laughs> yeah. Keeping
1: him safe, you get the feeling.
0: Yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. Yeah. 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 It, yeah you do get it, that feeling because he should have crashed.
2: Yes, going it's 60, not like 60 miles an hour
0: in a car and getting blasted by yeah. Danny Torrance from Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's a The funny good
1: thing, because that's about the point when suddenly, without it having been brought up before that I can think of, uh, race suddenly starts getting mentioned.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: One of the passers-by who almost got hit is like using like, you know. The way he describes Halloran, the glimpse he got of him, I'm like, oh, I mean, I know they're in Florida and everything, but Mm -hmm. dang. I was shocked by it. And then, you know, just the description he was giving of him. And then um, later, he's thinking to himself, what does he care about a white family? But that little kid, he wasn't white or black. He and Halloran were the same. And I'm like, wow, well. Okay. Yeah,
0: I mean, just, just that alone, I mean, talks about these groups we're in, right?
1: Right. You know, we're in racial thinking, groups,
0: religious groups.
1: Yeah, and it's because he groups. was trying to fight it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, he's using something pejorative, if I've got the right word there, to describe mm. the people because that lets him off the hook.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then, of course, when the hotel's working on him, when he's on his way up there, it's like, you know, I don't need to care about these white people. Hmm and um then it starts to talk about you know wendy's whiny and this and that and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wendy's he's in the shed
2: <laughs> right like oh no oh <laughs>
0: yeah no. And he does the anyway <laughs> yeah and, and uh i love that i love that you know so um the hotel too you know i liked what you said about them is like the hotel was trying to figure out which person through which to get danny mm-hmm. basically Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so whatever efforts they had on Wendy were fruitless, but what they did to Jack, what the hotel did to Jack to try to convince him, um, of what he needed to do was, you know, it was prodding right at his insecurity. Right. It was, it was playing him like a instrument. It was, it was just well done, you know, just, you know, yeah, you, you, uh, you want to do this. You're not weak, are you? You know, these buttons, Mm -hmm. it was just pressing all of his buttons.
2: Yeah. And not only, and and also
0: the alcoholic button, right? Right. Um, By offering that to him saying, yeah, I don't know why you're trying not to drink right now. You really ought to have one.
1: Um, So when you're talking about his alcoholism and the hotel using that as a prod to get a hold of him, I was thinking about it because part of the problem is, is that Jack himself is all too willing. Mm. You know, he'd really love a drink. And I feel sorry for anyone who's caught in that addiction. Um, I Mm. feel I would be horrible at fighting it. I have my own, I think we all have our own things, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. That
1: are our particular thorn in the flesh, as St. Paul said. And we struggle with it over and over and over. And I'm just so grateful that mine are not something like alcohol. Mm. Because that would just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just too weak. However, I was reading from, I'm rereading a book that we talked about way long ago, Introduction to the Devout Life. Oh yeah, by yeah. Saint Francis de Sales. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got the little wonderful easy sections for each day. So mm-hmm. as I'm going through it, I was just reading the part that was talking about turning away from sin, but still being attached to it. Mm. And the example he uses as a general example is in Exodus, or, yeah, Exodus, when the Israelites, well, I guess at that point they're just Hebrews, there is no Israel, but they are in the wilderness with Moses, and they're like, oh. I can't believe you took us out of Egypt. At least there we had stuff to eat. We had garlic and onions and beer and everything. So he's like, yeah, they're they're glad they're not slaves anymore, but they're still longing for everything they had while they were there. Mm. And if they had to be slaves to get it, that's okay. And I thought, yeah, what a genius connection. Mm, mm-hmm. So he says, you have to not only give up sin, but free your heart from all attachment to it. For such attachment not only places you in danger of relapsing, but is a constant source of weakness and discouragement, preventing you from doing good readily, diligently, and frequently, which is the essence of devotion. Wow. And I thought, first of all, I was taking it to heart for myself going, oh, yeah, well, that's part of my problem. I'm like, well, yeah, I won't (laughs) do it, but boy, I wish I could. And (laughs) I love this. And this is why I give in so much, right? Right, right. And this is Jack. (laughs)
0: <laughs> mm, it is, it is Jack.
1: And, yep. and that's why you have things like Alcoholics Anonymous or various other methods to help you fight it. You need that community, you need that structure, because it is a big weakness and there's a natural inclination in us, which is original sin, right? As Peter Crave says, we're like the masterpiece, but we've got a big scratch in us
2: mm.
1: a yeah. painting, but right. we've got a big scratch in us. And so um, that's part of what helps us not or helps us hurts us it it means that we always kind of have this natural desire for something and i looked at that and i thought of course alcoholism is the perfect expression of it that everyone understands so hard to
0: fight mm-hmm.
1: and the hotel is going to latch onto that that's just easy
0: right right love it yeah I don't love the alcoholism. I love nope. uh, I love the connection.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Jack was struggling the entire time. But uh, but yeah.
1: Well, and that's um, the other thing. And I guess this is the thing where um, at the end of the book, one of the scenes that really struck me was Jack has been, you know, Wendy's had to hit Jack with a bottle because mm-hmm. he's trying to kill her. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. um, Danny saw it. And so he's like, oh, no, I can't handle this. You know, daddy hurt mommy, mommy hurt daddy. And um, she has to say, this isn't your daddy. I don't want to hurt him. The hotel has gotten into him, Danny. The overlook has gotten into your daddy. Do you understand? And so Danny, okay, wait, hold on. It's all coming back into focus. And um, she says, I know you love your daddy. I do too. We have to remember that the hotel is trying to hurt him as much as it is us. Hmm. And then she's thinking about Danny as the battery that, that kind of jump starts everything. But I thought it was that line that made me remember why, why you can stick with people who are weak or addicted, or you have to remember that's not all that they are. And this is something that's hurting them as much or more as it's hurting you.
0: You've known them at a time when they weren't, right? Right. And you, that's, what you, that's what you're holding on to.
1: Right. You know mm-hmm. that's what they can be. And again, of course, you know, I'm not talking about putting yourself in a position where you're having to keep from being killed,
0: yeah. like in this yeah. book. <laughs> but
1: she's having to kind of hold on to that and remind Danny and herself mm-hmm. there's something else at work here.
0: Right. You know,
1: and and we have to admit that even though this is just a book, there is real evil. And it can be expressed through other people's actions because they're tempted and they do the wrong thing or it works on us. Mm. Um, That's St. Peter said, you know, beware the devil. He's like a lion prowling around trying to get you.
2: Yeah,
1: And so, it's this combination of our own inclination to already Mm -hmm. want that thing that we know we shouldn't have. And that prodding. Oh, just this once. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, the the flip side of all that, you know, you're alluding to it, but the flip side uh so you have the weak person, right? But the other side is we need to be strong for our other people too. You know, yeah. it, it's our calling to to be strong through this stuff, or to to not let this stuff get us. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. to stay strong ourselves for other people.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of Wendy. I think remembering her mother a lot, mm. and going, I don't want to turn into that. That's the temptation because right. it's an easy pattern to follow.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very and we much. all
1: have those patterns we could follow. We all have the things that you know we're trying to do to help um, people, and it and it doesn't have to be something big. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah.
1: Most of the time, for most of us, thank goodness, it's things that are much smaller.
0: Yeah. Much smaller. <laughs>
1: you know, not losing your temper in in a normal way,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> not snapping at people. Right, um, right.
1: You know, Jack yeah. is just the extremes, and he's such an easy catch for the hotel. And I guess that's part of trying to be virtuous, right? Trying to strengthen ourselves through uh, practicing the virtues.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And because through, you know, what is it, fortitude and all these things, because the more we stretch those muscles the better prepared we are to try and ward off those inclinations wherever they come from. We can Mm. hold out a little longer this time. We won't snap at somebody this time because we've lost our patience. We won't, um, I don't know what, have that extra bowl of ice cream. I don't know, whatever (laughs) it is that we're fighting against in life.
0: Right, right. And then we have Halloran, right? Who Mm -hmm. is going to go all the way across the country when he was in Florida and he got that, he was, he was getting a plane ticket.
2: (laughs) So, um,
0: but yeah, but it's, it's like, you know, what are you doing with the time you're given, right? The, Mm -hmm. the, you know, and, and take this cup from me, I think was said somewhere in there too. You know, this, I don't want to do this, but I'm doing Mm -hmm. it anyway. You know, um, yeah, Halloran was the hero.
1: Oh, yes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He was the hero. And look what he had to do. He had to fight off the topiary animals. He um, had to fight his way through the snow. But he was given little moments of kindness on the way. And, you know, he would say this person had a touch of the shine. Mm -hmm. But in my idea, it was a touch of God's help along the way. Because, you know, the guy who gave him his coat and mittens, the person who said, do you have enough extra gas? Yeah, Um, yeah personally said oh yeah go to this guy down the street tell him you're my friend he'll help you mm-hmm. um yep and those are the nudges we get
0: absolutely i was thinking the very same thing yeah it's it's great you yeah. know
1: and it doesn't mean that you don't have to i hate to turn this into a whole allegory of our pilgrimage through life <laughs> and i realize i'm doing it that it
0: is yeah yeah because <laughs> you know, the shining itself i mean again it's just It's like stuff that we have. I mean, you're likening it to, to, uh, you know, God and things, but it's stuff that we have. It's just, again, it's not turned up all the way. It's not turned up how it is in this book. You know, it's just, um, we do affect each other. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we do perceive each other. We do hear voices, you know, we, we hear, I mean, these are all things that happen. Yeah. Right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, because I was thinking this time I had completely forgotten where Halloran's having to battle the topiary animals. Mm,
0: yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Very satisfying point when he's <laughs> like, take
2: that, MS. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yeah, burn them. Mm. Um, but it's also the thing of look what he went through. I mean, because then he is chopped down by Jack when he gets there. And I was like, I don't remember that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And um, then but then he comes too. Right. And he is necessary. He's necessary to get them out of the hotel. He's necessary to um, find the stuff so they can go down the mountain. He's necessary for a lot of things. And, um, but it doesn't mean, so just the fact that you're on the side of good and you're aware of stuff doesn't mean you don't have to fight like crazy. Sometimes It, it is. We're, we're partners in all this. We're not just puppets. We're not just here to move around like chess pieces we have our own will and our own decisions and sometimes you've got to work like crazy to get the right thing to happen or as as much as you can
0: right you've got to respond right
1: yeah you have to that's the difference
0: it. between religious and spiritual right and you know, people right. say you know I'm spiritual but I'm not religious it just basically means well I'm not participating <laughs> <I guess laughs> you know that's I'm it. not I'm not gonna do anything about it I'm just gonna right. be spiritual you know um, sometimes
1: that expression takes you into places where you're very uncertain but it's kind of like Halloran. You still have to fight those topiary animals and do your best. That's right. And that's the real life application.
0: <laughs> Hopefully
1: no fire, will be involved. I love it.
0: Sometimes you got to fight the topiary animals. Yeah, There's nothing else sometimes, to
1: do. Sometimes you got to use fire. That's.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is this is really great. You know, I mean, this is you know Stephen King is, is a special writer, but the I mean, this is what horror brings out. Um, Mm -hmm. It it really is. It's using an extreme example to put people in situations where their character comes through.
1: I guess that, yeah, Yeah. that that is it.
0: Mm -hmm. Because there are monsters in the world, right? They're just not topiary animals.
1: (laughs) Right, I guess that's it. Well, so let me ask you this question, if this is okay to go on to something frivolous. Uh What was the scariest thing in the book to you?
0: <sighs> well, uh, um, it's
1: hands down bugged you most.
0: I, I think going in room 217 was what was the hardest thing oh. for me, yeah. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I uh. Had yeah. to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night after <laughs> I finished the book. And I was like, Oh no, you're quite old.
0: Yeah. You yeah. don't have
1: to let this bother you the way it did in college, where for about a year you didn't want to get up in the middle of the night <laughs> to go to the bathroom because something might be in the bathtub. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you just have a shower. It's fine. And then I spent the whole time watching the shower curtain going, No, it's not moving. Uh, it's it's not fine. Moving, yeah. It's all fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you walk into that in the bathroom and there's a, a shadow that you can see through the the curtain. That is horrifying stuff.
1: (laughs) Well, and then when there's the scrabbling noise. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, Well, see, and I was interested to see because I had a roommate who, hands down for her, it was the topiary animals.
0: Oh, fascinating. Which I found
1: baffling because they didn't bother me at all.
0: Right, right. And
1: um, somebody else I talked to recently, because now I've been going around, have you read this book? What was the scariest thing? And everybody knows instantly.
2: Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: They don't have to stop and think, well, <laughs> you did just a second. But yeah. they just go, oh, one person, the wasp nest. I'm terrified of wasps.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: And the idea of being asleep and having that wasp's nest come alive? No, thank you. So, he's found so many things because there's whatever it was in the tunnel, in the playground. Mm. You know, there's so many bits that yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: He's it's like he dredged up everything.
0: Wow. Yeah, he did. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. But yeah, generally for me, it's demons and ghosts that are the hardest for me. Or that are are the most scary, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in general.
1: This book, there are things in there where you just go, oh no. It goes into your childhood patterns that you haven't left.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And that moment in the book, I had forgotten this point when poor Danny and he's standing there holding the doorknob because I noticed that like even when Jack went in the door is always closed when you try to leave. Yeah. It's not locked but it's not easy to run out.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh huh. And when Danny can't get the door open he stands there and goes oh oh it's fine it's not real I forgot and then the mm-hmm. hands turn him around and you're just like oh,
0: oh man <laughs> just
1: <happen?" laughs>
0: yeah just horrible yeah yeah master moment right Danny Torrance. Wow.
2: Yeah.
0: So I wanted, I wanted to make sure before we close, I wanted to yeah. talk just a couple of minutes about the sequel. Um, oh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, just, just for a couple of minutes. So the sequel, cause I really thought he took it in an interesting direction. Now I've seen the movie, but I haven't read the book yet. Um, so the movie is kind of a sequel to the movie. <laughs> so, oh. but, but, but what it what it is, is it's called Dr. Sleep. And, um, what, what happens is is that Danny Torrance grows up. He himself becomes an alcoholic. Um, what, what he's doing is he's, he's um, suppressing the whole shining thing because it's very unpleasant to him. Um, he finds a person who helps him through that. Um, like you were saying, you know, with the alcoholism and things. And then he gets himself in a, in a good spot. And then he meets another kid. Um, right. Which, which is, um, you know, the, how that happens is, is pretty interesting. But what the book is about is there are these psychic vampires is the only, I guess the only way I could really describe them. It's like a, a little pack of gypsies kind of Mm -hmm. that go around and they feed on kids with the shining. It's like, yeah, they're vampires. So if they had known Danny, they would have gone after Danny and basically taken his life essence away, which mm-hmm. gives them life. Same way it gave the hotel life. So Danny Torrance as an as a as a man is now helping a girl who is being chased by these vampires.
1: Interesting. So it's
0: an interesting direction. So it's not another ghost story. It's 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 yeah. it's again it's about the shining and the fact that that what they have is something just like the hotel wanted it there's there's vampires who want it
2: mhm so
1: you know it's interesting about that it and this is hilarious as i was listening to you i was thinking oh that's funny cuz it takes it in a direction that's much less real i'm like <laughs> as if the book was anything close to real
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: but it's funny because In the book, because it's just kind of this unacknowledged little extra talent, you know, the hotel is the anomaly. It is clearly the thing that is a made-up thing, but we all know about the idea of haunted houses. We all know this stuff. So it's kind of left in the real world, especially with Halloran working in his job and all the other things going on. And um, I know people who have, I guess, what you would call a bit of a shine. Mm -hmm, So in different little ways. And so I kind of think, oh, okay. And then you describe that, and I suddenly start thinking about um, Ray Bradbury and something, something evil this, something way this way comes. Something wicked
0: this way comes. this way comes. I
1: can't believe I did that. But yeah, <laughs> something wicked this way comes, which is much more fantastic and unreal to me.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And who knows, because I haven't read the book, and I, I did try it and just went... I can't reconcile this vision of Danny Torrance with the kid that I knew who Halloran mm-hmm. was helping um at the end of the book. I just I it's not a place I want to go. So mm-hmm. I just kind of didn't read it.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Right. Uh, but I enjoyed the movie a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's we have the I I guess I should mention there's a little tiny Facebook group that, you know, if I just put the notice up there what when stuff has come out, but if you want to comment on there about if you've read the book or on the blog, that would be very welcome.
0: Very nice. Yeah. So yeah. Very good. Well, anything else you'd like to say about the shining?
1: Briefly, if this Mm -hmm. could be brief. Do you have any experience with anybody who's had got a bit of a shine?
0: Um, I, I, I don't. Um, okay. yeah, I, I honestly don't, I don't have any ghost stories or anything like that. Okay. Yeah.
1: I was just curious. Cause like I said, it, and it took until my sister was an adult, because she mentioned this young to maybe one of my parents, but anyway, who was like, that's dumb or silly or that doesn't yeah. make sense. And she went, okay, don't mention this, mm-hmm. but she, you know, um, she has a little thing with ghosts. Um, which sounds so crazy. But then my grandfather, who nobody really talked about it, my grandmother told me this is he he had just a bit of a thing where like one night he sat up in the middle of the night and said, Something terrible has happened to someone
2: mm. that we
1: know. And she said, well, what could, you know, what could it be? You know, our, our son is here. Our parents are fine. And he's like, well, okay. But he couldn't go back to sleep. And about an hour later, they got the news that her brother had been killed in a car wreck.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And, it, and so, and some of these things are things where you can go, well, it's a bit of coincidence or whatever. Because I was like one time sweeping the floor and my mom calls and says, but I was thinking of um, my grandmother, and I hadn't thought of her in f- however long, a really long time. And my mother had called about an hour later and went, Oh, about an hour ago she died. Oh, wow. Cause I said, yeah. Oh, I was just mm-hmm. thinking of her. It was so odd. <laughs> I was, you know, just thinking if I could talk to her and she goes, that's probably about when she died. Wow. So mm-hmm. it's those little things where you just go, it's not necessarily that kind of thing. Like he's postulating in the book, but there are little flashes of a connection to a world that we don't see. Um, you yeah. know yeah. that people have sometimes.
0: Right, right, yeah, and and those those things, you know, I've heard of and have had people tell me and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm I'm just as happy not to do
0: that. <laughs> you bet. I'll, I'll
1: just be normal. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, me too. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly, it makes I see it better. People
2: to stay in hotel. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, but I I don't have a an experience that I could share that uh, is like me personally having any kind of experience like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was just curious. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's an interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right then. Okay. Well, great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And yeah. what is our next one? Oh yeah, we're still in kind of a Halloween mode, even though that one will be out November. Um, train to Busan.
1: Oh, yes. Which is
0: we'll, uh, a Korean zombie movie on a train.
1: <laughs> it's got everything, you it's guys. It's got it
0: all. Yep. It is fun. So, yes. yeah, we'll enjoy really that is. one. <laughs> all we'll right. Be
1: about it in October, if that
0: helps. Yes, so. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.
1: We'll talk to you again soon.
0: All right. Bye bye.
1: Okay. Bye bye.